Welcome back to Netflix and Kill, the podcast dedicated to reviewing and documenting the horror films of Netflix. I'm Kai. I'm Marty. Aaron, I still exist. Yay! <laughs> or do Welcome you? back. What is existence? Time is meaningless. Cars. <laughs> cars. Cars. The Cars cinematic universe. It, it expands. I think this is the origin story to how um, all of people in the Cars universe are gone. Oh, you might be right. <laughs> so I... So I don't think you really, we really have to tell you this because you probably clicked on the episode with this name in the header, but we watched The Car, parentheses, 1977, close parentheses. <laughs> I assume that's how you format these things. So yeah. this movie stars uh, James Brolin, who is Josh Brolin's dad. Uh, he, he birthed Thanos. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he's a cop. Um, and as much as we don't like cops, uh, we kind of like this dude just because he's kind of chill. Um, yeah, so I, I think we can all just like solidly say now, and usually I save this for the end, but I want to solidly say now I really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it, it was right. pretty good. Uh, a lot of unexpected stuff happened, but also I should have expected it because it's a cheesy car movie from 1977 where a car kills people. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to segue into the synopsis part, but I honestly kind of think that's all you need to get going. Yeah, um, the the synopsis is literally there's a demon car in the middle of Arizona and it keeps killing people. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's a police officer and he has, his girlfriend is really cool. And yeah. there's a bunch of children who hide in a graveyard at one point. Yeah. Right. The uh the entire premise makes it sound like the kind of movie you show somebody so that they can stare dumbfounded at the raw fact of its existence. Mm. To an extent, yeah, sure, it still totally is that, but uh, no, it is It is from almost the beginning. I mean, they do, like, their, their, their opening fake-out with, like, the two normies that get killed and stuff, and that's a little generic, but, like, when the movie actually gets going, and especially by around the midpoint, I wouldn't necessarily rank it, like, next to anything canonical for 70s horror, but it was surprisingly really impressive in points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, with the, the car. <laughs> so it basically just kind of comes in on the highway and kills two people, and then it keeps killing people. It runs over, like, the sheriff, and then... Uh, which, I mean, he had it coming because, like, he was trying to help this one lady out of, like, a, an abusive situation. And then he just kind of, like, watches as her husband, like, harasses her outside of the precinct. So, and then he's like, let's go get alcohol. I want to get drunk. And it's like, dude, what the hell? And then he, he walks in the middle of the street and the car runs over. Yeah. And then... And then, so they're, like, all upset about him dying because the car ran him over. And then, uh, there's a lady that witnesses what happens, and she's Native American. I still don't know, like, what specific language she was using. Um, and there's also another cop. His name is Chaz, and he's also Native. And I, I really like that they, like, included, like, Native language in it and stuff, just because I thought that was a, a really nice touch yeah. to have people actually using a different language. 
Exactly. It's a nice reminder (laughs) that, like, hey, Native people have, you know, their entire systems of language, and that's Mm -hmm. a thing that is not gone. It is still around. Mm -hmm. And, 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 like, in small town, like, Arizona, I think we said, and, like, uh the Zion area, they they were using, like, a Native language, and I feel like that's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. Um... So I thought that was cool, um, but basically the native lady, she's talking to Chaz, and uh, she basically tells him that there was no one in the car when she looked, and so, like, that you know, you get the stinger, and it's like... <laughs> oh, the music in this yeah. film was great. Well, I mean, very, they... very Bernard Herman-esque, this soundtrack. It wasn't made by anyone I could recognize, but it has that style that you just don't really get in contemporary movie music because mm-hmm. of all the... The bass and minimalism that they oh, have now. Yeah. What was it? They, it like opened with like the, the Dies Irae. Yeah, yeah. The, it opened yes. with the Dies Irae. <laughs> which yeah, which uh, is the same. It yeah, it's the it's the same kind of thing that they use at the opening of The Shining. The mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. It's just a it's a tradition from like Catholic mass essentially, but it mm-hmm. makes for a really cool horror soundtrack. Yeah. So uh, I really as, dug that. And serves as decent foreshadowing that the car is basically a demon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> When I heard the synopsis, I was like, oh, it's Maximum Overdrive, but less interesting. But, no. It's no. Maximum Overdrive, but I think a little bit better, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's better acted, at least. <laughs> well, yeah, there's no this machine just called me an asshole scene in this. <laughs> yeah. And so genuinely, really, like, the the iconic scene that has all the YouTube clicks is when the car, uh, when they manage to chase the car uh, during the parade scene, because there's a mm-hmm. parade going on, the uh, the nice school parade, but in Arizona, that means they're flanked by actual horses. I think it was band practice, actually. Right. It was practice for the parade they were going to have, but there were going to be, like, actual horses at the parade. And, uh... Which leads to the iconic moment where the uh, the car attacks the parade, mm-hmm. and the sheriffs and stuff, not having access to their cars, get on horses and try to, like... And try to, like, circle the car on horseback, which is just fucking insanely cool. And they lead it to the, uh... They manage to lead the car... To a cemetery where, of course, it can't go because uh, hallowed ground. This this is treated like a reveal, but you've seen enough horror movies. Literally, I, they went to the cemetery and I went, demons can't get into hallowed ground. And as soon as I said it, that the car stopped at the entrance and wouldn't go uh, any further. And the uh, and the cops, the, uh, the 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 cops' girlfriend with the with a level of just like with a level of like badass like pomp mm-hmm. that recalls like the scene in Halloween H2O where Laurie kicks the absolute shit out of Michael Myers mm-hmm. just tells off this demon car <laughs> as it like tr- as it like tries to like sm- scoot up to the cemetery but it can't get any farther it eventually like knocks over the gate but still can't get any farther mm-hmm. as she just like curses up a storm at this car it's like it'd be like watching fucking Lily Tomlin tell off Jason in a Friday the 13th movie. It is yeah. so fucking cool. Yeah. And, like, genuinely really, really well acted. Mm-hmm. Like, it's that kind of movie where, I think I was talking about it, like, you gotta think, like, the entire premise for this movie was, uh, they go into the studio, like, what happens on the indies a lot these days, like, a lot of, like, really, like, dime store vanity press fucking movie movie distributors, where they'll give you the idea of the movie you have, and you just make it. And they walk into the studio, this like middle of nowhere studio in California, and the guy just tells him, hey, making a killer car movie. I don't care how you do it, but keep it under a million dollars and give me a killer car movie. And it wasn't Roger Corman, so it wasn't like one of the cool people working at that level. And like the the people involved in the movie just leave the fucking office and they're just like, how are we going to do this? It's a killer car movie. And somehow, I mean, honestly, if you wanted to make a killer car movie, 
in the horror and car movie genre, there's basically no other decade you would want, no other year you would want to make it than mm-hmm. 1977, right? Because the 70s were either the best or second best or third best if you're a Universal horror or 2010s horror fan. Yeah. <laughs> the, one of the one of like the top three decades for horror films, I think we can realistically say. Mm-hmm. And the 70s, unambiguously the best time for car movies. There will never be a better decade for car movies than the 1970s. Oh, Marty's pointing at our... Sh- I didn't even... Yeah, we're Kai both wearing our Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirts today. Watching watching 70s horror films and we're wearing Texas Chainsaw shirts. Yes. I'm wearing a Randy Savage shirt, so I'm kind of irrelevant here, but... <laughs> what do you mean? You're the most relevant one out of all of us. Well, those uh, those abs are very are very horrifying. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's like this, this like... That 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 tact that was that is that that you that you run into in certain places where like a bunch of talented people are working way under their pay grade mm-hmm. for a movie they probably don't want to be making, and instead of just slumming it like they probably should, collecting a sizable paycheck and then retiring onto a mountain of cocaine like I assume everyone does in L.A. after they finished anything of note or anything not of note, the amount of money that goes through that fucking town, uh, they instead decided, you know what? I'm a decent writer. Our director's pretty good. Ga- Our director's a pretty talented guy. The cinematographer's a member of the American Society of Frickin' Cinematographers. He knows what he's doing. And we've got a good cast, all things to all things considered. Mm-hmm. Let's like actually try. Yeah. <laughs> and it's astounding to me. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, it's just like so there's like a, a corny level to it, but I think it like is like the movie is elevated by it because yeah. there's a lot of like Western tropes in this film, um, which kind of lend themselves to some corniness. Plus, They're it fucking... being a horror film and a car film, so like. <laughs> They're basically Wild West homesteaders, but like the evil robber baron they're facing off is a demon possessed car. Yes. <laughs> That's basically what this is. It is Rio Bravo or like High Noon, but set in the time the movie was made, and Frank Miller is a, a, a sentient car. Yeah. <laughs> So the the car in question, there's a there's a point where they just decide that they need to do a car chase, and like you do. <laughs> so like they have the police chasing this car, and they have one guy who's like right on his tail, and like the car turns a corner, and then the police officer starts to turn a corner as well, and the car like basically like did a full on U turn and pushes him off a cliff, and it's like. Like, right before that, he literally just, like, the the car is, like, easing towards this guy and, like, like closing his door. <laughs> He's, like, trying to get out of the car, and the car just, like, pushes the door shut and then, like, starts to push the, the police car off of a cliff. And the, this guy is like, oh, God, please, no, have mercy. And the car just kind of, like, just, like, shoves him off. And it's, like... The most acting I've seen out of a car ever. <laughs> and the car, the car explodes, goes up in flames because it has to. And I was like, okay, this car better fucking explode. And it does. Yeah. It explodes before it makes contact with the side of the ridge they're on. <laughs> it literally. The police car just like explodes and then the, the other car just like takes off. <laughs> it's so great. And then, okay, like moments later, it's the same chase. There's, like, these two cop cars, and they've basically, like, stopped, like, they've, like, basically barricaded the road as they're, like, coming. They've got both lanes blocked off. And so, the the car is coming the other way, 
and these two other cop cars are coming towards it. It's like, it's gonna stop. He's gotta stop sometime. And he, the fucking, the car flips over both <laughs> of the, the cop cars and then just keeps driving. And then the, the other two cop cars, of, of course, they explode. <laughs> but it's just like, I, the amount of like stunt work in this is just like insane. Mm-hmm. It's cool. really good. One of the golden ages of movie stunts, too, especially car-based stunts. Mm-hmm. Just that phenomenal, like, amount of attention to detail. Obviously, not an attention to, to, to realism or verisimilitude, but an attention to the internal cause of a cause and effect within the film, which I think is how you do, like, really cool action in general. Mm-hmm. Is, like, establishing what can happen and then varying from it in just far enough of a way that it's surprising without being completely ridiculous. Yeah. I think this movie pulls that off. Everything related to the central, like, horror conceit of the movie, I think it pulls off so much better than it has any right to. Yeah, it it's, like, crazy, crazy mm-hmm. good how weird and good this is. I mean, I think the cinematography helps a lot, because, like, yeah. the shots are actually good. really well composed, mm-hmm. and um, especially... You were talking about while we were watching this, the shots of the car, because it is a reflective surface, mm-hmm. so, like, you have to try extra hard to get yeah. good shots of this uh-huh. that you don't see the camera in. So, mm. the, the car is, like, 100% black. It's, um... 19, uh, it's a 1971 make. I forget the model. It's a 1971 Lincoln Continental Mark III, and that go. they, uh, they modified it so that it was, like, flatter than a normal car, mm. and... apparently making it flat makes it look more sinister (laughs) because no one can fit in it i guess well right (laughs) oh tell tell the trivia that you read about the person who built the car um the person who built the car also did uh like the batmobile from the 60s batman Mm. if i remember correctly and Mm. he did a couple other cars but i i think but that's just like super cool that they just like have a guy specifically do cars for movies and i think like like, the, the extra effort, like, I, before I had heard about it, I knew that something had been done to make sure that they either found a car that looked really iconic with, like, that center grill that's, like, this, like, just a square. Like, I mean, no cars had they, fucking... Like, they have, like, a bunch of, like, setup shots of the car, and it's, like, the, the like, headlights of it are, like, mm-hmm. inset into these divots that look like uh-huh. half-lidded angry eyes. Right. And, like, you've got this grill that looks like an angry mouth. So, uh-huh. like, it's, like, like they picked this car specifically because it looks like an angry person. <laughs> right, and, they, and, they, and then they modify it, which is just that extra mm-hmm. effort that, like, I didn't know that, and yet I knew that it's almost like you innately know that effort has been expended on something when you're watching yeah. a movie. I, I think because you, said, can, you can tell when they're faking it. Mm-hmm. They said, like, they spent, like, $80,000 on, like, making this car. So, <laughs> that's... A lot of money and a lot mm-hmm. of effort to put into a car, and they did it, so... <laughs> right, I mean, it's it's just... I mean, everything that this movie sets out to do, I don't know if it does it better than anything I've ever seen or whatever, especially not during, like, a really, really... I mean, like, what, this come out the same year as, like, The Exorcist or whatever? But everything it sets out to do, it does as well as you could ever realistically expect, barring, I guess if I have one critique, it's some of the, some of the human element. Mm-hmm. The human drama set up the uh, you already mentioned the domestic abuse subplot, which doesn't go anywhere. The this a lot of like the human element like that that you get in the that you are almost obligated to get in horror movies before 
the stuff you're actually there to see happens. Mm-hmm. And I think I developed this theory while we were watching the film during those parts. Like the first 20 minutes I didn't like as much. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, I think what it is, cause like, I don't always mind when horror movies have moments of the characters acting like characters, even though I know they're probably not going to make it right. Yeah. But I think what makes those early 10 minutes a little bit iffy compared to the rest of the movie is like, the human element of a horror movie works if the problems the human beings are going through synchronizes really, really well with the central conceit of the horror parts themselves, the stuff yeah. you're actually meant to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. In Black Christmas, I think I use this as an example, the high watermark of how to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, she's pregnant, she wants an abortion, her boyfriend is super, super, super not okay with that. And that fear and paranoia that is cooking between them becomes the backdrop against which is laid the paranoia of the entire movie. Because mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's evidenced at so many different points that he might have been the guy who's killing all of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this very human, very personal, very before 1974, no one put it in a fucking movie mm-hmm. plot, mo- plot element becomes central both in terms of its physical proximity to what's happening, she thinks it might be him who's killing people, but also because, like, the mutual fear and paranoia they have of each other, that mutual sense of estrangement feeds directly into the inherent fear of motherfucker is killing people. Mm-hmm. We don't know who. Yeah. Or, like, um, the opening of Halloween when Laurie Strode uh, is in class and she talks about fate, you know? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? Like, it sets up the idea that, like, oh, how fucking scary is it that someone can just be this evil and we don't know why? And I don't really think... Obviously, when you're writing something, you don't give a shit about theme, but theme still exists, and mm-hmm. I think, you know... I mean, I, I still think it's important to have a theme, like, even if it's, like, not... Mm. Not something apparent when you start writing. I think mm. ma- identifying uh-huh. a theme and then like extrapolating mm. on it is uh-huh. a, like a, like a right. part of how to make a good script. Yeah, and... it's it's a hard balance to strike though, because like you yeah. definitely don't want to start mm. out and just be like, oh, I'm gonna make a movie about abortion and that's my theme. Because without right. it's hard to do that without yeah. like being mm. preachy. Yeah, yeah. You, you need a fun. I feel like you need a, like a fun or like interesting premise before you can find something in it that you want right. to make a like main uh. point that people should take away from it i mean i don't even know if there has to be a main point though i think no. that like yeah. sometimes it's just mm-hmm. sometimes I mean, people grab their own yeah right. it depends on like how you view media like for me right. i view the media i create as like literally just venting mm-hmm. um oh, sure so you know that's a thing and i think like i think that a theme will emerge from that no matter what because like Uh you're going to be venting about something right like there's going to be stuff on your mind whether you Uh realize it or not oh sure um so wow (laughs) sorry this is getting a lot more heavy than we anticipated but you know what that's that's fine that's the kind Um. of day it is But, like, I, I mean, like, I get it. You you made a film and then it accidentally became about being a lesbian. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> it really did. <laughs> so, like, yeah, it's, like, that's a good way of looking at it, too. It's like you're venting and sometimes you don't even know why. And then someone will say something and you're like, so that's what that's about. <laughs> yeah. No, it literally took I both always... of my actors and my professor being like, mm-hmm. hey, uh, are these characters, is this supposed to be about, like, being gay? Yeah. And I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I was your fucking, I was your, like, gaffer, and I immediately knew. 
Oh yeah, I was reading the script and I had to make like some props and literally I was making this like because like there's an alien that lives in your brain and it basically communicates to other aliens who live in other people's brains is the premise. And I was sitting there like reading this and then this like these two girls form a connection and like a bond and it's like very kind of subtly romantic and I was like this is the alien that lives in your brain and makes you gay. <laughs> like I, I remember posting, I remember posting pictures of like what I was making. I was like, "This is the alien that makes you gay." <laughs> <laughs> it's Ben Shapiro's worst nightmare. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's you know that's a thing in movies is like right. s- sometimes stuff that you're writing about has to do with like the other mm. stuff that you're writing about in the mm. same script and and i think yeah <laughs> i think to a degree i think to a degree after like the first few minutes of sort of sussing out that every movie has with me i think ultimately like while it's a little messy there is stuff that does come together in terms like more humanistically i guess you could mm-hmm. say and mm-hmm. um i think centrally right like one of the central points of the movie is that uh you know the the main character is a divorce is, is a divorcee and this this other woman is living with him and his kids who are yeah. very adorable very sweet kids mm-hmm. um and very talented child actors as well um so the thing about those child actors they're um they are actually sisters one of them was in assault on precinct 13 oh and then, she's the kid who dies holy yeah! fuck i just realized that yeah, oh my yeah, god yeah, yeah. and then the other one is the really young girl at the end of halloween who is like uh, who uh, Lori is babysitting? No, oh, shit. wow! That was just that was just. I guess they just had connections because yeah. yeah, they're all. I mean, it, it was kind of an extended horror. Horror filmmakers are always kind of an extended family, going back to like the Carl Lemley days at Universal. But like, mm-hmm. so he's got like his his girlfriend living in with him, and there's this there's this undercurrent of like every movie about a small town that has a lot of retro stuff like horses and cowboy hats. There's always <laughs> this undercurrent of change. There's always Mm-hmm. And I think I realized, oh yeah, this movie has again. I'm not I'm not doing too much of the lit crit stuff because what makes this movie cool is that there's a car that kills people and it does so creatively. Yeah. But the reason, but like the the the, the coming together of what the movie of 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 the human element of the movie in a really meaningful way is the point in this movie where like we've seen that like a lot of people are afraid of change and time. Um, the sheriff who dies, uh, he was in, he used to be in a relationship with the woman who's in the domestic who's in a domestically abusive relationship, which mm-hmm. I still think is a little tasteless to put in your the, horror movie, but I digress. The first two people who are killed are like they're they're like boyfriend and girlfriend, but like mm-hmm. they basically lied to everyone about mm-hmm. where they were going. Right. And so like that's mm-hmm. kind of like the parents are afraid of like them growing up and like, yeah. you know, being adults uh-huh. and and like the central and like the central greatest moment in the film is the cops and uh, a couple of other people fighting off a car, yeah. which is like the end of the old west style, like the machine that changed everything mm-hmm. on horseback. Yeah. And yes, it's cool because a bunch of badass sheriffs who literally look like old west sheriffs are fighting off a killer car that looks like a hearse, which obviously yeah. uh, on horseback. But the fact that we've seen the the like like everyone like everyone always takes it for granted that the that the moments of human character of of the normies just talking in a horror movie is a holding pattern mm-hmm. maybe less now when yeah. you got films like the Babadook where like the human element is the only element of that film yeah mm-hmm. um to the extent that the monster may or may not actually exist stuff like that yeah um 
But like, I think still with like a really genre-y horror film, there's the implication that you just shouldn't care. But I think to the extent that the elements were set up right, they do amplify the parts that you're watching the movie for, right? Yeah. The, the car sumo wrestling a motherfucker off a cliff. Okay, maybe that's just fun on its own. But a lot yeah. of the really cool parts are directly implemented into... Yeah. And into, like, the overall, like, you know, into, like, the overall, like, rules of a car movie. I mean, this is seven mm-hmm. years after Vanishing Point, which is still the best movie about cars fucking ever made. Absolute masterpiece. Um, I'd say I'm dating myself, but I'm only 24, so no. Um, <laughs> I was not born in 19... 19- I was not born by 1970. Um, or were like, you? <laughs> Are you just a vampire? No, he's just an eldritch being. I'm pretty sure. I know, in my in my house it really a dead me white streaming or whatever the fuck. <laughs> I mean, every time someone's with me, they have to roll for Sam Loss, so that's okay. <laughs> oh lord, but yeah, uh, I guess we've already I guess we've already said, but like, I mean, the movie you if you want to watch this movie, you absolutely don't have to pay for it because you're either you've either got your own Netflix. Or you're piggybacking off someone else's. Yeah. It's an hour and a half long. It's... If you're watching this podcast or listening to this podcast, you've probably already seen a lot of the canon 70s horror movies, so it's not like you could be using that time watching fucking Exorcist 2 or whatever. Um, <laughs> we should do... Have you done an episode on that? No. no. Uh, I hope it... If it comes to Netflix, that's that'd be a fun one. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, like it's... I think for the time we were spending on it, it was a reasonable use of our time. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested, especially if you're interested in just the best kind of car movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We forgot to talk about the end. The fucking end. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, they, like, of course, like, they're like, we need to fucking blow up this car is the, is the solution that they come of course. up with. Well, first off, the reason they come to this conclusion is because the car found out where the lady that was chastising him at the cemetery lived and then fucking barreled through her house and ran her over at like, like 150 miles an hour. It's like the reveal. It's like as, as silly as the reveal in that 80s Doctor Who serial that the Daleks can fly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so so she she's dead and like our main character who was dating her is like really upset about it and one of the other characters is like i should have stayed with her it's like he would have killed you both and they're like we need to settle this i'm gonna <laughs> and then they they actually go back to the to the jail and get the guy that was physically abusing his wife and tell him that they need all of the explosives that he has because apparently he owns an explosives store <laughs> And so they make this huge fucking bomb and, like, put it in a canyon. And they basically just, like, have this car chase going back and forth until they can get the car to just, like, drive off a ledge. And when it does, they blow up the car. (laughs) And the explosion is so huge that it creates color patterns on the people who are watching it. (laughs) like there's like lighting effects in it where like the like it's like green and blue and purple and like then they like cut back to like the explosion and the explosion is just orange 
much. <laughs> and it's very funny. So they bad. also, throughout this whole chase scene, they basically lit it. They they basically put like a night filter over day shots. So it's like a hundred percent like a western film. And so like you have so you have all these like weird ass lights going on, but then you also have a night filter, and so everything is just like this odd shade and like any kind of lights that you have going on, like from the cars is just like totally dull. <laughs> God, it, that is the one like cardinal sin this movie commits is the yeah. use of day for night. I mean, I'd rather were, they, I'd rather they actually film a murder than film in day for night. I mean, they were trying to go for a western feel, and I don't blame them for doing that because it kind of it it adds to the cheesiness of like the cinematography of like a western film plus like a car film that is a horror film. I mean, I will this, say you can get yeah. away with a lot more stuff like that in horror movies because it clearly, like, when you see day or night shots, like, it clearly looks off. Like, you can yeah. tell it's not right. quite normal. And mm -hmm. so, at least for a horror film, it kind of works. Like, ooh, yeah. it's eerie. But... I, didn't, I didn't care enough for it to actually detract, but the the movie nerd in me, the, uh, the, 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 the cinematographer in me, to the extent that that still exists, mm -hmm. was just like, oh, God, you... You really did it. You really... Ooh, no. <laughs> and it didn't matter, because they do it during one of the better scenes, so yeah. it cancels it out. I didn't really care. But it was yeah. definitely something to riff on, because obviously, even when we... Even though we liked the movie, you can't yeah. watch it without riffing parts of it. it yeah, just... it would, like... It would, like, do these shots where it would go up, and, like, it would be, like, a ground shot looking up at the sky, and, like, there were clouds in the sky, <laughs> and it looked like daytime. So, like, it just... Uh -huh. It didn't mesh well with, like, what they were going with with those certain shots, but I thought it was funny, so I, I didn't mind <laughs> yeah. too much. It's that kind and, of, yeah. <laughs> anyways, so the fucking car drives off of a cliff, and they explode it, and the explosion is big, but then, like, they, like, have it focused on the explosion, and then there's just, like, a face that comes out of the explosion and, like, spits fire at them. And then it, like, you know, the explosion stops, and then, like, these guys, they just get up and, like, walk into a dust cloud heading back for home or whatever, and one of them's like, did y'all see that face? And they're like, no, it's dead. <laughs> right. <laughs> the it, end. <laughs> it, it's actually a really impressive effect, but it just feeds into the whole gonzo of this movie where, yeah. like, really silly stuff is done very effectively. That yeah, just... it was just very funny, and... <laughs> It's finished. <laughs> That's like how they end the movie. They're like walking into a dust cloud. Until the sequel, which apparently exists 42 years later. Yeah. So we've got yeah, that to look forward to that, if that ever ends up on Netflix. That, it is on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Fuck. That's the surprising <laughs> thing to me, though, is like, yeah, I didn't realize this movie had enough of a following to get a sequel. Yeah, 42 years later. Yeah. <laughs> and it's apparently set in the future, and it looks like they use a very similar car. Yeah. Uh, Looks kind of like the original car, but crossed with the rolls or something. It we looks may cool. we may have to watch it. Honestly, I'd be down. <laughs> I mean, I was surprised by this one for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was fun. I I would definitely add to the um, recommendations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been pretty lucky on the episodes here. I've been for because like well, I, you were here only... for Tusk. So <laughs> I was here for Tusk. Yeah, I did get to I did get to slander Tusk. Oh gosh, you know the more I think about it, the more I actually think Tusk is fucking hilarious. That might just be because I like Kevin Smith as a person, <laughs> um, but just like thinking about the end scene where he's like 
ACL and they can't change him back is just funny. It's a... <laughs> but... It's a movie. It's an awful film, but that part was funny. Right. <laughs> the rest of it I couldn't give a shit about. Because I don't think Kevin Smith is very good at horror. But... <laughs> Mm-hmm. But that part was funny, and I thought it was funny. <laughs> ah, fair. Yeah. Well, are there any last thoughts? Um, the, 50 years later, that car comes back and kills all of humanity, and then you have the Cars universe. Yeah, it becomes Lady McQueen. <laughs> Tomater is the distant uh, uh, relative of the car from the car. <laughs> all I'm going to say is when you're editing this episode later, you have to, at the very, very end, play the game over theme from Sega Rally. I will hold you. I will hold you to Scout's honor for that. Okay. <laughs> why? Can I ask why? Because it's just funny. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. I played the weird cover of the yeah. Itsy Bitsy Spider <laughs> at, <laughs> at the end of it? a... I don't know if you ever saw Eight-Legged Freaks. Oh, God. I played a freeware... Uh, I believe it was a... It was like some riff of the Doom Engine I... FPS game that was like free, a 90s freeware FPS game based on that on that movie. So I texted you while we were recording this, that episode, and you said that and I like immediately had to say that that was, that was a thing. And so like we were like screaming about it. I remember it being fine. I mean, it was like it... It didn't. If it was a Doom Engine game, it wasn't. It didn't use the engine properly. It was just very, very generic. Like uh, everything was like every every room was the same height. Mob enemy mobs were fairly straightforward. The audio was straight from the movie, though. <laughs> was it? Now they're only. Every time you'd kill somebody, the main character would say, "Now they're only walking on seven legs." <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't think they ever said that in the movie, though. I guess it was some. I guess it was some. I guess it was by some like. Eight-legged freaks fan side if, or something. I don't. If David up. Arquette had to record that line specifically for that game, I w- I'm going to lose my. Mind. Former, that's great. former WCW champion David Arquette. I guess so. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, don't even get me started on eight-legged freaks. I'm gonna be thinking yeah. about that now. Good lord. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, is there anything you want to promote while you're here, Aaron? I mean, I'm occasionally on Doom World. If you want to hear my thoughts about weird fan-made Doom maps, probably shouldn't. I'm not that knowledgeable about it, but that's the only social media I have, so there you go. I mean, that's fair. I am a Doom guy murders these bars. Nice. Cool. Um, you can find Netflix and Kill on Twitter at Netflix underscore in, is in the letter in, underscore kill. Follow us there for all updates. Um, yeah. And in the meantime, check out some of our podcasting friends. So, like, Jupiter was on the Eight Like a Freaks episode with us, and they're super cool. You can also find them on Deck of Friendship, which just came back from hiatus, and uh, Artificial Ghost Radio. We love those shows. We love our friends. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Aaron, for coming on for this this movie i don't know how but anyway neither here nor there thank you for listening may your nightmares be plentiful